This episode of Unthinkable is supported by Right Side Shirts, an organization that helps kids fully realize their creative potential. Right Side sells apparel that's been designed by students who submit their art and watch it get turned into shirts and phone cases and more. And all profits help fund art programs in need. If your style is more modern, you'll want to check out the Swirly Sun Design by Nataki, a 7th grader. Or if you're like me and you love intricate pencil work that you could never do yourself, you might appreciate The Mechanical Heart by 8th grader Janavi. Whatever your style, RightSide's mission is an easy one for every one of us to get on board with, helping empower kids, promote creativity, and fund art programs in need. To learn more and explore their online store, go to rightsideshirts.org. Welcome to Unthinkable, I'm Jay Kunzo. And this week is another side hustle sidebar. These are episodes where we hear from someone who's worked on a creative side project that led to someplace new or interesting or unexpected. I knew that I was making something that was that was an art and I was and that very much made me happy inside while I made it. But I all those mistakes now glare at me and I see how I would do things differently. Um, so it, it's yeah, it you I needed to make all those mistakes to get to the point where now I know what is better. And I think that that really grew me. The voice you just heard belongs to Dan Milano, the managing editor of the viral content site Distractify. He's also worked for ABC News as their head of social media and video companies like Daily Motion and JibJab. And today, we get to hear about one of his very first side projects that he started back in 2006 and ran until 2010. It's a sketch comedy YouTube channel called Wooden Nickel Shorts. We landed upon the name Wooden Nickel. My friend Kevin Sawyer and I came up with it. Just kind of like feels like an all-American kind of Americana thing. Uh, we had we'd been in Martha's Vineyard that summer and there was a pub that gave out wooden nickels with every beer and we started just playing uh, coin tricks with each other and and we decided we'd do a, a series of uh, sketches based on like magic tricks and that would be our, our first thing. Since then, they've branched out from magic tricks doing sketches like I Wish I Were a Vulcan, which is a rap tribute to Spock. I wish I were a Vulcan so I could feel no emotions. I can't hold it any longer in these highly illogical notions. They also parodied the Google commercial that announced the launch of what was then called the Google Plus Project. Dan's video was naturally called the Google Minus Project, and it poked fun at the sappy way that Google described how people connected with each other on the social network. Namely, the feature called Circles, which let you divide up your friends into categories. Yeah, it's like when you're a kid at recess. I miss that. Dividing into small groups and excluding the smelly kids girls. Exclusion is really the word. I know that there are people who have confidence. I don't have it, and I I never want to have it. I'm just not confident. And then there was a fan-favorite video called This Actually Happens in Twilight Breaking Dawn, where Dan and his friends simply reenact and call attention to the things that really take place in the film and how absurd they are. A werewolf falls in love with a baby. Dan says he hoped these videos could someday lead to a job writing for Saturday Night Live or maybe a major late-night TV show or some Hollywood films. When you hear that, and when you meet Dan or watch his videos, plenty of words come to mind, all generally from the same vein. Funny, creative, goofy, clever. But one word that comes to mind when you dig into his work might be a little surprising. How about process? 
That's such a dirty word for so many in the creative space. Process. It brings to mind a sterile office park building and great cubicles and people who say things like synergy and quarterly growth. Process evokes a mandate from on high, a checklist of required emails and meetings and permissions needed in order to accomplish even the most mundane task, which is the only type of task that you apparently face at a business where they love process. Except talk to Dan for even a moment about his creative work and you realize maybe we're thinking about process all wrong. Uh, We had this fantastic system put together. It was kind of like a rubric where I would, I would ask, I would have people come uh, to my place for a meeting and we would take all of our sketch ideas and then we'd rank them in a system. We would, from one to five, rank it for how viral we think it could go. And that would often take into account how immediate we, we need to jump on the concept because it's something that's trending at the moment. How much we just personally thought it was funny. So that way it wasn't entirely about uh, just getting views and how feasible the project was just you know could we actually make this a beautiful and professional short and in averaging all of our votes on each item we usually landed on something that we were all pretty happy about moving forward on shooting even the videos on the channel had some kind of coherence to dan and his friends even though we couldn't see it they knew it was there to the outside it just looked like a catch-all list of topics but to them there's like three types of content that would be on our channel there'd be the remix And that would be something I could put together in no time flat uh, that would get tons of features because uh, blogs loved featuring remixes at that point in time. Uh, I remixed some footage of like Sarah Palin. I remixed like uh, a video that that made fun of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds but put peeps into it instead. I remixed like some Quiznos commercials. It kept the content flowing. Right. Uh, Then there'd be like the pop culture sketches where we'd look ahead to something that was coming up. Uh, Like Iron Man 2 was coming out in the year and a half. So like what if we got an Iron Man 2 sketch out now? We'd be the first people to do it. So people are looking for like a trailer. We'd have this fake trailer up. The same would go for like Twilight or uh, I feel like there was one more that we did like that. Uh, Like the, the Narnia series. We were trying to get ahead of the trend. And then there's just pure sketch, just a concept like what would happen if you found the land where all of your lost socks go? Um, like, and, and that just happened to be a world of lost clothes. And that would fit in no, in, in no like, theme other than it's just a funny random short. So, yeah, you could kind of go through all the items that we created. And I think that we have over 100 videos on our uh, page uh, and, and break those down into those three categories. Dan is somebody that I'd call craft-driven. He wants to do quality work, and a lot of it. He wants to create things that actually stand out, and not more cheap stuff that just relies on gaming some kind of system on the internet. And process, believe it or not, helps him do that. He doesn't avoid it, he seeks it out. He refines it. His work is made better by it. That is what makes him craft-driven. After all, what is being craft-driven all about, if not process? It's about finding enjoyment in the actions, not just the end results. It's about studying and improving upon the steps you take to create something meaningful and not trying to skip to the end. It's about process. And it is for Dan. Although, if he's being honest, it actually didn't start out that way. For him to really embrace this idea of process as a way to be more creative, he first needed to experience three things. A cross-country move, a sneaky networking trick, and a Yeti costume. Moving to Los Angeles was a blessing and a curse. It was a blessing. 
because I got to edit out all those shorts from the summer. I, I didn't have uh, more things in production, and I sent them all out. But it was a curse in that I didn't have any friends all of a sudden. And being a sort of creative person who wanted to be a writer, I just had notepads and notepads full of odd, stray ideas that grew over the course of like a year or two. Uh, my ingenious idea, and I do think this was a really good idea, was to get into the improv circuit and meet as many funny people as possible. The, all the funny people I had met at Boston College were through improv. Um, and luckily, L.A. had a very strong uh, improv circuit. So uh, it took me about a year, but I got together like a funny group of pals. And I would say, hey, guys, are you all free this Saturday? I want to shoot a parody of uh, the Born Ultimatum called The Porn Ultimatum, uh, where it takes the shaky cam of uh, Born Ultimatum movies. And whenever there's a fight, suddenly the camera gets shaky and they end up in bed <laughs> together. <laughs> Whoever uh, Jason Porn is fighting uh, ends up in bed with him. And I, th I just felt like it got better and better. By that time, Dan had landed an internship in L.A., one which he firmly believes he secured because of his work with wooden nickel shorts. By that point, I had received kind of like an internship, a creative group that was making interactive DVDs out of the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Uh, so I felt like I was really part of the mix. They wanted me to do some viral advertising for them on MySpace. <laughs> MySpace was featuring like funny, goofy videos on their front page at that time. And I had the skills and I only had that experience because I went out on my own and I decided to just make doofy shorts in my spare time. So staying true to those doofy shorts, Dan set out to create his first series of shorts for an actual employer. We had this big Yeti suit to, uh, to promote the uh, DVD, The Abominable Snowman. Um, I took it around Los Angeles and the theme was uh, a Yeti lost in L.A., and I had him like trying to sled down sand dunes uh, in Santa Monica. And I had him like going into ski shops and being really confused. Um, and I, I don't know why, but MySpace dug it enough. To, I, they, I don't even know how they found it, but they featured it on their front page and it got like half a million views. So, wow, <laughs> like now this like crappy iMovie edits with my ragtag group of friends uh, seem to be getting me places. So Dan continued creating wooden nickel videos. They got him this far, maybe they could get him even further. He also started to look harder at how he made the videos, the process behind his craft, almost out of necessity. After all, more videos meant more ideas would be needed, more ideas meant more decisions to make, and more decisions meant more risk of getting paralyzed when faced with too many potential directions, or maybe even while seeking consensus from a group. So. Out came processes like the idea of a ranking system that could actually vet all the concepts for the videos that the group proposed. I would have all these, these wild ideas, but which ones were actually doable? So I'd have to narrow down, like this one could only be a cartoon. This one I have to meet somebody uh, who could make a puppet in order to do it. But this one, well actually if I collaborate with a friend and get, uh, and get a, you know, a, a felt piece of roadkill together. Like I can do uh, uh, an entire sketch about roadkill bingo. So, you know, we would be narrowing them down, uh, usually through emails as to what was most doable. Also something that pushed us along as far as like which project we would choose next was contests. This was the time that was really big into uh, asking creators to create videos for like uh, MTV Movie Awards or Adam.com would have a weekly uh, contest. 
uh, that would uh, they'd feature items and, and hand out thousands of dollars. So we would be in like we'd do one for us and one for them, kind of like, hey, maybe we could hit a big, we can get some recognition, and that kind of led to this odd like feel within our sketches that we had one that was experimental that I just kind of dug and thought was weird, and one that was like pop culture uh, that like adhered to all these uh, these rules. It was at this time that they created Dan's all-time favorite project, a video called The Peeps, which was a parody of the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. And yes, that's Peeps as in the marshmallow candy. And it was so well-received that the most famous movie critic of the day actually shared it. It was an idea from my friend, John Mark. He, he photoshopped the woman from the movie The Birds in that uh, iconic uh, telephone booth being surrounded by birds, but instead he like slapped a, a peep against the side of uh, the glass. And I was like, wow, like that's just such a simple concept. I wonder if we could replace all the birds in the film with peeps and release it around Easter time. And we worked for a long time on it. My good friend Brian Rutchless did some editing with me, and I think the effects still hold up to this day, You know, even though it's something from like 2009 or, or so. <laughs> It got a half a million views. That's kind of like our threshold as far as like how popular we got at that time. Uh, I feel like if we release something similar on Facebook nowadays, it would that would be an easy like three mil. Just seeing how things grow when they go viral now. But Roger Ebert saw it and he tweeted about it. I always thought that was pretty magical. You know, we had a lot of shorts that you know it's a thing here or there would see a CNN uh, feature or like an AV Club feature, but that one was always special. I thought that th- the fact that Roger Ebert enjoyed it was was always pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. What's perhaps the most telling about Dan's evolution as a creator and his stance on process at this point was the way he describes making the video. It's amazing to hear him describe the moving pieces on face value just because of how many there were. But what really stands out is just how aware Dan was of all those pieces. It starts with taking the film and somehow getting it digital. You feel always shady about ripping a movie, but you're going to be remixing it. So you need to download a toaster program. You need to go find the DVD of the birds. Then you need to watch it and just think about every single scene uh, and, uh, you know, what What if I took this and took it out of context? At a lot of points in the film, they say, the birds are these crows. And you can't have that dialogue. But there's a little girl that says, they covered her. And that's so vague that it could be anything. Uh, you take a look and, like, you, you ask yourself, this scene's a little bloody. What if I replace the blood with marshmallow? Well, that would actually fit pretty well. <laughs> and you end up with a cut that's like eight minutes long of footage and you try to work it into trailer form. Being more aware of all those steps and all those moving pieces helped Dan get better and better control his own creativity. He could more easily see, for example, how all those pieces could fit together and make the whole project work. It's like when you look at a brick wall. If you ask most people what the wall is made of, what do they say? It's made of bricks. But In reality, it's made of both bricks and mortar. The bricks are what others notice. It's what they remember. But the mortar is what makes it all stand up. And the mortar of any successful creative project, the thing that makes it all hold up, are all those less than sexy, really in the weeds, really subtle decisions that you make during your process. So, sure. We notice that the peeps get cropped into the movie scenes where crows used to be, but Dan notices so much more than that. And that's what makes the entire thing work. 
you actually have to go into Google image search and find tons of pictures of peeps and figuring out like, oh, this size needs to fit in this girl's mouth. And this, this uh, HD peep is pretty good uh, to cover someone. You want different angles of peeps. And I, you know, I cut the majority of the short and then there's some effects that were too complicated for me to complete just the way that the birds were moving or, or being, uh, being partially obscured. So I called in, uh, my, my roommate at the time who was an editor at CBS to, to cut out those peeps and make them look a little bit better in the short. And it was all the better for it. And as with any side project, the steps you move through aren't always that enjoyable. It's ups and downs. I mean, when you're when you're writing it, it's kind of the first idea is always really fun. And then you have to sit down, it's a bit of a grind to get the whole thing out, but then you're really proud of it when it's written. Then you have to like it, it's up and down, up and down. Like you have to get all your friends together and they're like ra- dragging their feet and you're worried they're not going to show up and you never have as many people as you want for the shoot. But then you're shooting, and you're having a lot of fun. And you felt like every single shot was fantastic and you have to solve things and that's a crazy day where you don't eat and you get a headache, but it's it's good. Then you go back and review the footage and you're like very excited that this scene turned out perfect, but this scene's lighting is actually kind of bad. And this scene like is really, really funny, but this scene's audio is kind of bad. And you realize like, yo, this is what you do on a shoestring budget. Like nothing can be really perfect. So then you take it into the edit and you start to like really start like love it for the first few hours. And then you hit a point where you're like, there's no saving this little part. Uh, and you start to hate the project. You really start to hate the project. <laughs> and you spend hours and hours trying to make it acceptable. And finally, like you're just done with it. You never want to see it again. But that's when the marketing comes into play. And you have to send an email out to every single blog that you think might be interested. And they start to pick it up. And you're proud of it again. And you start sharing it with your friends. And you're really happy. And it, I think that's usually where it tops out. Like you, you can kind of enjoy the project again because you know other people are enjoying it. Wouldn't Nickel Shorts isn't all that active these days. They make a video once every few months. The people behind it have all largely turned that project into full-time jobs elsewhere, whether acting for bigger comedy sites like Funny or Die, which was founded by Will Ferrell, or writing for shows and movies in Hollywood. Dan is also adjusting to a new role and a new city. For each step forward, I knew about seeding video to get views, right? I knew about the blog system and, and how people covered the items. And that really helped me when I was moving uh, from a job at, as a marketer uh, to, uh, to being, actually, I, I, I was the social media editor for ABC News. Uh, they, they knew that I knew how the system worked, and, uh, and that was enough for them to give me a, uh, a chance to play with the journalists. And then I went from ABC News to Dailymotion.com, a video site, and it didn't seem like a one-to-one uh, on the surface, but if you dig into my video past, I knew a lot about the uploading systems, and I was a YouTube partner, and I had you know, 30,000 subscribers, and that's impressive to them. On top of you know, working with a major brand like ABC, that's a perfect storm. And then, you know, finally, I, I just recently moved from Dailymotion to Distractify.com, which is a viral content site. And they're not only just writing about what's viral, which I have history in now, but they're creating live experiences on Periscope and on Facebook, as well as their own, you know, uh, humorous video shorts. So it all really blends together. And could I have had all that experience from, you know, just being a writer at another uh, company that's similar? No way. Uh, it's, it's the combination of, of spare time projects and full-time projects. At the time of this recording, Wooden Nichols' last video was released December 2015, a rap video featuring puppet versions of the comic strip characters Calvin and Hobbes. It was created to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the cartoon's last strip ever. 
Dan says that the landscape has changed a ton since they created their first video. You know, it, this was in a time where everything was all starting to blend together for the first time. Video and social media and writing and comedy uh, were like the perfect storm of, uh, for a creator to get their ideas out there. Today, Dan sees more opportunity thanks to technology, but also more competition. But he says that all of this has only increased the importance of launching your own side projects. It's more critical than ever that you as a creator not only create things, but that you enjoy, study, and improve upon your approach to creating those things, your craft, your process. That, Dan says, is what separates people who create generic stuff and people who are truly creative in their careers. It's sort of like no one's going to just hand you the reins uh, to a major Hollywood film and say, <laughs> or to a television show and say, have at it. Like now you have your own wild uh, creative world. You can submit scripts all day long. You can work your way up through the production process, or you could just sit down and do it yourself and have a job on the side that, uh, that pays the bills. This got me to the point where I was approached by Mondo Media, which does the animated series Happy Tree Friends, about doing an original cartoon for them, and I did like six, seven, eight episodes. Without this sort of background, that door would have never opened. So while it is, it does scratch a creative itch, uh, and that's very satisfying, uh, it's, it's one of those things where if, if you're not working on a side project all the time, then you are missing out on opportunities that could eventually come. Whereas most creative people hear the word process and run screaming through the wall like some kind of reverse Kool-Aid man, oh no, you know that if you want to get better at your creative craft, process isn't only important, it's all there is. It is the most crucial thing to be truly creative in your career. So you seek it out and embrace it. And that's unthinkable. Unthinkable is written and hosted by me, Jay Akunzo, and this episode was produced by Chris Higgins. Our theme music is by King Tyler Litwin VIII. Thank you to Right Side Shirts for supporting the show. Their shirts and other products are all designed by kids, and all profits help support local art programs in schools while making sure children at those schools are given the chance to be truly creative in their lives. So support their awesome mission and go to rightsideshirts.org. If you like the show, please leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us get found, and it helps me convince my little Italian nonny that, yes, nonny, people actually do listen to me on the podcasting. You can also be the first to get each episode every single week by subscribing at our site. Go to unthinkable.fm. By the way, I also share all kinds of related content and exclusive behind-the-scenes coverage and other goodies. That's unthinkable.fm. Next week, we're back with another big themed episode, and the theme is only available when it's live next week. Sorry, that was kind of mean, but please still listen next week. I still love you. Okay, bye. Bye.